Hello and welcome to another episode of Armchair Opinions. Armchair Opinions is a blog where qualified philosophers answer questions asked by non-philosophers. Here on the podcast, we take a closer look at some of those answers. My name is Alex Impey. I am joined by armchair philosophers Carl Messenger. Hello. James Brown. Howdy. And our guest today, Giacomo Figa Talamanca. Hello. Giacomo is doing a research master's in philosophy of mind at Radboud University, Nijmegen, the Netherlands. He is researching how digital environments, especially social networking sites, influence our understanding of the world and of others. Under the microscope today is Giacomo's opinion about cloning and identity, written in response to a question from Robin Pickering. Thank you, Robin. So, Giacomo, talk us through your opinion. Thank you very much, Alex. So, my opinion is an answer to the very interesting question that if I get myself cloned, is my identity still my own? So, in order to provide a meaningful answer to this question, I took a famous thought experiment from philosopher Derek Parfit. In imagining a futuristic world, you can get to work using a Star Trek-like teleportation machine in the, with the same easiness that you can take the tube to go to, to the center of London from the peripheries, for instance. And the, the machine, basically the teleportation machine, just decomposes the molecules of your body in one place and reconstructs them in another. However, one day, a malfunction, of course, and uh, your, you don't get teleported. Your original body remains where it is, but on the other end of the teleporter, a new copy of you is created. You get to know this, and it's itself a pretty shocking experience. However, the director, the responsible person for the teleportation machine, comes to you and informs you of some pretty bad news that the malfunction damaged your heart and you're going to die in really a few days. This thought experiment is supposed to provide yourself with some very interesting and very important questions, such as, will I really die? If the clone is a perfect copy of myself and has everything that I have, all my memories, all my attitudes, all my desires, for instance, isn't, in a sense, my identity going to be preserved into the clone? As with many philosophical answers, my answer is yes and no. As, in a sense, the clone in you are going to share the same mind. You're going to share certain psychological traits, and there is going to be certain psychological continuity with, when it comes to memories, when it comes to attitudes, desires, and so on and so forth you're not going to be the same person because you have two different bodies. As far as we know, people are human organisms that are situated in a certain context. So there is not, to be, there is not going to be an exact relation of identity, but there is going to be a sort of perseverance of certain things that determine you as a person in a certain social context. You're going to share the same mind, so to speak. That being said, if the clone would come to know that he is actually a clone, that already might change the way things are, in the sense that if he would come to know that he is not the real you, he might take some decisions and might do some things that would break the psychological continuity, things that you, in or your original shoes, you would have never done, such as leaving your family, find a new job, beginning a startup or something like that. So in a sense, there is going to be a perseverance of identity, of certain identity relation, that of certain things that can define yourself as a person, even though technically you're not going to be exactly the same person. Some could argue that in the clone, what matters is not really identity, but a, a form of psychological continuity. And that is going to be preserved. That being said, he's not going to be the same person as you, but your identity, in a sense, is going to be preserved.
Hi, Giacomo. Um, I want to ask another hypothetical about the hypothetical, please. My question is, if they figure out they've botched the teleportation, panic, they're like, oh shit, they shoot the person in the head, the original in the head, then quickly bundle up the clone, erase the memories the clone has of like any like anything going wrong. No one else ever finds out the clone isn't the original, including the clone. Um, and the clone is now acting on the same memories and experiences as the original did before it realized everything had gone wrong. So the original last memory the clone has is stepping into the teleportation device, for example. Does that mean the identity of the original person is completely conserved? For all intents and purposes, has the teleportation been a success? Thank you for your question, Alex. Well, in the moment of, there was a moment in time where there were actually two bodies sharing the same mind. So, in a, from the perspective of the shady operators, I could call them like that in the best case scenario, that the teleportation had been a success, even though it was pretty bloody. However, there was a moment in time where there were where there was a clone, where the teleportation process was actually a cloning process. Mm -hmm. So this can be said. It is also interesting to, to, to think of this kind of, the ethics of this kind of teleportation, right? Mm. How, mm. how actually you could, you could think that it's simply killing somebody over and over again just yeah. expecting for a copy of it to spawn somewhere else and well it's going to be fine it's close enough to the original you could say mm. and then the question of what matters in personal identity comes out again because if what matters for you to be the same person over time or for something to count to the same person over time is going to be the persistence of certain psychological characteristics that is good enough and you come to terms with your own death. And it is interesting because the author of this original thought experiment proposed exactly this kind of attitude. It shouldn't matter too much whether me as a living being, as a limited living being, is going to persist or not, if my mind is going to persist. Mm. This is a pretty old debate, but for instance, in more recent years, they are considering cases of mind upload into digital and virtual world which is which also makes it pretty interesting because you're making some assumptions about whether your mind is is material is linked to your brain is it codes is it not material you know mm -hmm. and uh, it really what really matters for you as a person not necessarily as a philosopher but for you as a living being is you know what you have to ask yourself what really matters to me yeah i mean i was i was thinking about whether um i mean it, it would be the ultimate test of physicalism wouldn't it so if your physical components were decomposed here and recomposed up on up on mars if your kind of unity of consciousness somehow followed it and and reappeared also there up on Mars, then I, I, it kind of seems like physical physicalism wins the debate. But my yeah. kind of worry would be that like your unity of consciousness would kind of dissolve down here on Earth. You'd you'd be dead for all intents and purposes, mm. and there'd be a new one up there. But were you to ask that person up there whether they were experiencing the same unity of consciousness as before, they'd undoubtedly say yes. But whether they but I don't think they'd ever be able to truly tell whether they were certain. But isn't that also, I mean, to me, that sounds like you're speaking from a, uh, a physicalist perspective anyway. Yeah. Because you're saying, you know, the, the guy up on Mars, he thinks he's got the same unity of consciousness, but he can't because physically his consciousness didn't move anywhere. Well, who's to say that unity of consciousness isn't embodied? Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? Just in, in, the, in the sort of, I don't know, the, the, the way that the energy is interacting within your mind or something like that, you know, whatever you want to do. And it doesn't operate in the physical realm at all. And your soul reappears over there because the soul doesn't need, because it's non-physical, it doesn't need to travel, right? So <laughs> because you're a physicalist, you're saying, oh, well, it can't possibly work, you know. But if you're 
speaking from the physical physicalist physicalism point of view which is i've did a bit of reading before and that's the idea that eventually we'll be able to like physically 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 physical physicalize um <laughs> like consciousness basically isn't it it's just we don't have the technology right now that's what yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so if you clone a body in its entirety yeah isn't the implication that if consciousness is physical and it's held with physically within that body if you con- if you clone it entirely you will clone the consciousness that's right you? yeah that's right yeah. that's right that's the physicalist implication yes that because like most of your psychology like what is the organ for most of your psychology to be function to be functional is your brain mm-hmm. right so the idea is if you can recreate the brain perfectly in the experiment they can recreate the brain perfectly and that would be enough for the consciousness for your consciousness to be still existing and mm. still being i don't know if you could say the same like yeah. to, for, for now we can say similar enough close enough but like from the phenomenological perspective as Kat was saying from what i can see and what i can experience of course i cannot really make the distinction at least not mm. that easily but yeah, like if this experiment, if it would be true, if they would do that, that would be a physicalist triumph, or at least yeah. could mo- would most probably yeah. be seen as that. Unless, you know, like maybe it's maybe not from consciousness, but when it comes to pers- to be a person, like you are a person in a certain, in a certain environment around certain people and you being a certain person is determined you can consider it to be determined as certain attitudes that you have towards other people or other objects or other organisms such as cats. You know, mm. finally you could say I'm a dog person or I'm a cat person. And that is a way of describing certain attitudes that you have towards cats or dogs, right? So to be a person, like to be the same person would also mean to maintain certain of these relationships towards the environment through, like throughout time. Is that in- entirely determined by consciousness or by the mind itself or by the brain? Um, that is a bit more complicated. I don't know if I can give a... I don't think you can give a yes or no answer straight away because then you're just giving the brain too much responsibility. So Carl kind of, I think, touched on something a moment ago. So say if, like, in fact, reality involves some sort of dualism, so an immaterial soul that's somehow related to a material body. Like, so if we had this teleportation device, would the kind of soul almost be anchorless for a moment, you know, kind of uh, detached? But that would then, because it doesn't operate in physical space anyway, would it just kind of somehow follow or reappear immediately yeah it's like like gps just (laughs) it would zoom straight to upon mars but zoom is wrong because it it suggests that it's just yeah it just comes in and out of yeah it it doesn't occupy the physical realm so it doesn't have to move in fact describing it as occupying something is wrong right it occupies no space it's a soul isn't that so i was talking to my mate robin who actually asked the question and she's a big Star Trek fan. I mentioned this a couple of days ago. Um, but yeah, she said there's two theories, I think, around teleportation in Star Trek. And one of them is the idea that, yeah, the mind and the body are separate. Almost like they upload your mind into either a new body where your old body has been lost during the process or when they re-stack like stack it back together, they're like, boosh and they put your consciousness back in you basically i've only really seen star trek the next generation so i can't talk about the original series or any of the later ones but i know there were there was at least one occasion where like the shit hit the fan and i think maybe um riker and picard were somehow lost but then um teleportation chief o'brien whoever's in charge i can't remember i think that's who it is and i think maybe data or someone they come up with this plan of kind of going into the memory log of the teleportation device and just kind of downloading a copy (laughs) of Riker and Picard then using the transporter to kind of recompose their atoms and just download their consciousness. There's also the episode that I thought of um, when this question came up, um, uh, the episode Relics, I don't know if you've seen that, where they, um, they, they find a spaceship 
and it they go into the transporter like log and there's something in the in the pattern buffer remember pattern oh, buffers yeah, they yeah, yeah, store yeah. everything in the pattern buffer and so they go into the pattern buffer and they they energize and Scotty from the original series yeah yeah is materialized and he he his ship was in trouble so he'd beamed himself up but then put himself in a holding pattern so he didn't beam down so he'd kind of saved himself for like a hundred years, and then they'd re-downloaded him. Kind of putting himself in cryosleep or something, you know. Well, well, so, like well a this is the thing. Version. He did not have a physical form for those, however, like hundred years or whatever. He didn't have a physical form, but now he's reappeared because it's you know it's like a replicator, right? It rebuilds you on the atomic level, right? That's the idea of this technology. So he gets rebuilt. That's the same guy, right? And so, but where's his soul for a hundred years? I tried to imagine myself in a situation where I could perhaps use one of these teleportation devices and I'd be terrified to do it, like really terrified. Like, would any of you just dive straight in and think, yeah, um, this is, this is the quickest way to Mars, like sign me up. Like, no. I, I'd be really I'd nervous, cautious about doing that. Even if it had been tested and tried a hundred times, I'd be worried. I would not definitely like to be the first one walking no, there. <laughs> Wouldn't like to to have my arm popping out of my head or something like that when I, when I land. Yeah. I think my worry would be that the guy appears on Mars, it seems fine. He comes back, he seems fine. And they say to him, oh, but didn't your soul get ripped away from your body when your physical form was destroyed and now it can't reattach? And he would say, no, that's nonsense. But then someone without a soul would say that. They would. They would. So I would be worried that I would lose my soul and not even know that I'd oh, lost God. the soul. Well, but then uh, that is a very big issue. That uh, <laughs> now I I actually do not remember exactly the name, but one of the main criticisms that was moved to to Descartes and his theory of dualism was it was the Queen of Sweden, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. who moved this critique, who said who proposed the interaction problem, right? And she said, okay, yeah, very, very well and fine. You have an immaterial substance that is your mind, that is everything that matters. And then you have the material stuff that is the body. It doesn't really matter for mm-hmm. for philosophy or whatever. But how do these things interact? And mm-hmm. I was thinking yeah. about what you were saying before about the soul being able hypothetically being able to track the body as if it was a GPS because (laughs) Descartes answered this question by comparing the interaction to magnetism because at his time they knew what magnetism was and well that it worked like they knew that you know that some pieces of metal under certain conditions they could attract each other and they couldn't see why or understand why but he said one day were going to be eventually able to understand it. So they were kind of appealing to something that was yet to be properly understood as perhaps this yes. explanation. In much the same way, some people appeal to quantum mechanics today to justify all sorts of yeah. wacky ideas. Oh, it's, I guess. Like it's just con- yeah, it's quantum. Because there was also, um, uh, I, I think that Descartes also said that the pineal gland was the seat of the soul in the brain. Yes. And again, that was another part of it. That was something else that people didn't really understand. They knew mm. it was there in the brain, but no one really knew what it was. So Descartes said, oh, well, that must be where the soul is. No, no, it's not where it is. It's where it acts. The seat of the... Okay. Yeah. So the, the soul isn't anywhere. You keep you keep getting hung up. You're like, you, this Sorry. physicalism <laughs> just pervading everything. It's not anywhere. It's immaterial. But the the way it interacts with the body is through the, is through the, the pineal gland. And that's still, that's still me. Like, it doesn't... You, cause you still have this infinite regressive of interactions like you kind of need something that's both substance and substanceless or material and immaterial mm. and you it doesn't i don't see how positing the the pineal gland does the how does that get him out of it like well i don't know if you could say something like you know you're thinking of the soul as like the mind and it's not the soul is just an attachment right and so um it's it doesn't interact at all it's just there and it follows you around and it never interacts with the physical, except it just follows you around. And when you get in a transporter, you get separated from it, and you never get it back. But you couldn't notice because it never interacts with your physical form, because it can't, because it's immaterial. What's the point <laughs> of your soul, then? Well, yeah, it that's, a, that's a big one. <laughs> I don't know. But also, I mean, if it didn't conform to space and time, there'd also be no individuation of souls. You couldn't say that Carl had one, Giacomo had one, Alex had one. 
because those kind of need some criteria for individuation. And you wouldn't have that if there was no time and space. Oh, hold no, 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 hold on. What you mean, so so you can't have a number of something that isn't physical? Arguably. You can't have, like, three ideas? Come on. <laughs> well, I mean, if you subscribe to physicalism, you'd say that those ideas are rooted in something physical. Yeah, well, I do not. We've established I'm a Cartesian <laughs> dualist. <laughs> <laughs> what about panpsychism? That's an interesting one, yeah. I mean, so, what, the idea that the consciousness is everywhere? Yeah. That everything has consciousness, and that consciousness is one, all is one, and one is all. Yeah, because maybe that could get around Carl's sort of soul sort of problem. So, like, the the only stuff that exists, right, is kind of mental things. I don't think you have to say that on panpsychism. No, no. panpsychism's like the idea that I think it's everything has some thought, like trivial form of... Yeah, so you've still got like the material, physical world. Oh, right, okay. Well, I think, because I think Chalmers has tried to do this. Like he says that, yeah, perhaps consciousness varies with the amount of information that's being processed. Okay. So he, yeah. the human brain processes the most information, therefore mm-hmm. we're the most, it's conscious, the most conscious. conscious. That's one idea. Technically, a thermostat has consciousness, but just simply yeah. a very basic form of consciousness. Yeah. And it's absolutely understandable to us. Uh, the the light switch has two beliefs, on and off, right? That kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. But it's still a physical item. I think so, yeah. yeah. I think so. Well, technically, yes. So if I'm if I'm transported, the physical item that I am, because of the information that it carries, that transports my consciousness and presumably... Yeah some element of a soul or something along the same and i suppose if yeah. you're if the information being processed by your brain was unique then your unique consciousness would reappear at the other end i guess mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you could distinguish consciousness in in such a way then i guess that would happen yeah so was it a success we said yes from the point of view of well i was thinking yeah i was thinking so perhaps they would have to also, not only erase the memories of the of the clone on, on up on Mars, maybe mm. they'd probably have to erase their own memories as well. I'd yeah, say. To know I that think they'd have to have clone. some sort of policy where they erase <laughs> their own memories whenever that happened. You're describing the movie Total Recall now. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time since I've seen that one. But you'd have to, yeah, you would have to do that because from the from the point of view of the the teleporters, the people in charge, it wouldn't have been. A success, I suppose. No, well, not if they've been doing that the whole time. It would time. be murder. <laughs> if you can consider murder a success, then yes. But <laughs> otherwise, no. Yeah, but I suppose if, on a certain assumption, you would say, "Well, this is what we've been doing all along." Yeah. You know, we've been decomposing people here. Like I, 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 I kind of mop their sludge into a bucket after they've been sent up <laughs> <Yeah>. to Mars. <laughs> I was when I first read Alex's question. My gut told me that it would be a successful teleportation. No. I think it'd be bad, but I think for for all intents and purposes, the aim was to get your physical body <laughs> and your consciousness up to Mars, yeah, and that and happened. Yeah, so. <laughs> Carl, you're shaking your head. Well, this was kind of my question. So, but basically following on from Alex saying, oh yeah, that that's a successful teleportation. My initial thought is, okay, if, if the teleporter fails in a different way and we end up with two people appearing mm. and, you know, we have to shoot one, <laughs> um, you know, who who's the clone anymore? Say if there's a blinding light, we can't tell, you know, they're not in the same yeah. place oh, they were standing before or something like that, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I'm saying to you, you're saying, oh, yeah, so the, the, the guy gets transported, but the guy's left behind. Just shoot yeah. him, mop him up. <laughs> that's what we do always. <laughs> I, and you're saying that's a successful teleportation. I'm saying what you've demonstrated there is that there's never been this technology is not teleportation technology. There's never been a teleportation. And so Giacomo was saying that there's a some element of identity is preserved in this teleportation. Um, and I'm saying, no, there's there's no identity is preserved. It's just a murder machine. <laughs> and all it's doing is making entirely new people in a different location. Mm-hmm. And my, my question would be, isn't it easier, philosophically easier at least, to just admit that and say, no, personal identity is destroyed when we shoot the guy in the head. 
and we've created a clone somewhere else. And it's just bad branding to call it the murder machine. So we call it a teleporter. And, and all, all personal identity is, is in some way trapped in, your, you know, not only in your physical form, but, you know, in, in the the sort of spatio-temporal location where you are. That, you know, uh, in the same way that I'm not the same person I was five minutes ago because I'm at a different time now. Mm-hmm. It, the same is true with the teleporter. Oh, There's, right, the, okay. the, your identity is completely mm-hmm. eviscerated and another very, very similar one is recreated elsewhere. But importantly, it's elsewhere, so it's different. Well, so first of all, the fact that, as I already stated at the beginning and I, as I still believe in, you don't have an exact relation of identity because you have two different bodies. And a person is, as far as we know, I never met an angel or something like that. Mm-hmm. They are material organisms, right? General of the species Homo sapiens sapiens. That is mm-hmm. human beings, people with language and everything, for as far as we know. So in a sense, you don't really have a complete relation of identity, but there is a certain relation of identity between psychological traits. I don't know if you are acquainted with the movie The Prestige. Yes. Yeah. Is it fair if I spoil a part of it to make a philosophical point? Alex hasn't seen it. Oh, I, no, I was watching a YouTube video yesterday and they straight up just, just show Hugh Jackman, you know, doing what he does. I was like, right, okay. Oh, cool. okay, so it's already been spoiled. Yeah. It's still worth a watch. Still <laughs> yeah. No, no, it, every every good movie, it's worth, like, if a movie is very good, it's still worth to watch, even if you're spoiled about the Absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. So basically what happens in the movie is that, for the listeners who are happy to be spoiled, <laughs> <laughs> so what happens in the movie is that Hugh Jackman, as a magician, basically brands a new teleportation magic trick for which he enters on one side of the of the of the performance stage and in, enters inside a machine and then is seen exiting on the other side of the stage right but actually what happens is that the machine does not teleport him but actually clones him mm-hmm. and the Hugh Jackman the great Dantoni in this case in in the movie that enters the machine actually falls inside a water tank and drowns. Mm. And he does this over and over and over and over. So in a sense, you could argue that Hugh Jackman is killing himself all over and over and over. Mm -hmm. Mm. But what is interesting in this representation, in this, uh, in this whole idea is that he has a specific intention. He has a specific desire, a drive that is, to entertain the audience as a magician, to receive the applause, to be acknowledged and such. And what he thought was a teleportation machine, it is revealed to him to be a cloning machine. In the beginning, he discovers it and he's terrified. He immediately shoots the clone. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, I I think I would probably do something like that. I (laughs) I I would most definitely panic, but if I have a weapon, I would... Really hit him hard in the head. Oh yeah, no, kill it, just kill it. Be done kill with it, it. Yeah. before he gets you. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Because if because if you thought, oh, I might kill him, he's yeah, thinking the same. Thinking, so you've got yeah. to act first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's whoever's closer to the weapon that's good. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that, that depends. You you have two different bodies, so maybe that specific intention is a bit different. But you know, the thing is in the movie. The Hugh Jackman, ident- like the great Danton, identifies himself as a magician. He wants to be a great magician. And in order to do this, he, in order to perform this teleportation trip, this teleportation, he accepts and comes to terms with the teleportation, quote unquote. And he's this characteristic of himself, this psychological and characteristic and also material attitude of himself, of loving to be on stage, being successful, is maintained over time. If I have to go to Mars because I only can find work there and I have to, you know, buy bread to eat at home and I can come to terms with this very trippy idea that actually that is not going to be exactly me. That is going to be a perfect copy of me, a perfect facsimile of me. But it's going to have certain things that identify that makes him 
not just very similar to me as a person, but that really unify our will in a sense. Like, I accept that, like, that I love my girlfriend, that uh, I love my cats, and that I have kids, and that uh, I need to take care of my family, for instance, or that I really like this job for whatever reason that I have to kill myself over and over to go <laughs> doing, who knows. And you have these specific drives that are maintained over time. And in this sense, you have some sort of psychological continuity, maybe not exactly identity, mm-hmm. but you have continuity. And you could say, Yes, you are making a facsimile if you consider everything. But if I've come to terms with that, I can say, well, what matters is that there are certain things that are still maintained. There are certain desires, certain beliefs, and certain attitudes that are still maintained, even though, you know, I'm continuously going over and over into a new body. Yeah, I mean, so so the way Carl presented his question, it almost sounded like, you thought there was no such thing as personal identity at all. Oh, I'm not sure if there is, is there? Uh, you know, someone says, oh, you know, oh, I'm not the same person I was yesterday. Uh, you're not, you know, you're not. But you're not, you're just incredibly similar um, to the person you were five minutes ago. But you're obviously not the same. You're obviously not the same. I mean, I'm not saying there's no, uh, there's no endurance of traits, but whether you can call that a personal identity, because there comes a point, and it's it's not a hard and fast thing, right? It's not black and white. I'm physically the same uh, creature, the same uh, specimen of the species that I was when I was 16 years old. But I don't think I'm recognisable in any way. Like I think, you know, every part of my body has changed. All of my ideas have changed. So what justifies you in saying that you're the same uh, specimen of the species as you were when you were 17? Well, I suppose, I suppose it's just a historical record, isn't it? That, um, it's just been um, it's my driving license or whatever. <laughs> In general, that makes sense because on the one hand, this is somewhat the problem of uh, Theseus-ship, right? The ship yeah. that every, yeah. every day you take out a little piece and you change it anew and after you've changed everything, you can ask yourself whether that is actually the same ship or not, right? Mm, yeah. And that is true... That is not even just true for psychological continuity. That is even more yeah. true for biological continuity because sure. I became 25 a couple of weeks ago. Mm. And as far as I know, when you're 25, your brain stops developing and now it's going to start to decay. <laughs> it's going to start to decay and everything oh, will God. be even worse than it is right now. So, you know, just wait. True. No, but that is also true from a biological standpoint and not only from a psychological standpoint that, you know, there is not a perfect relation of identity between not even second by second in a sense, right? Because I may gain new knowledge or lose some old knowledge or something like that. But on the other hand, like there is a sense of being the same person in its original formulation. It has to do, you could say, with certain kinds of choices, right? The first philosophers who really started going hard on the concept of personal identity and started his old thought experiments was John Locke, right? And he elaborated this concept of personal identity to track down more responsibility and the responsibility of a subject, right? So I think it is important to note that that to be the same person, maybe it doesn't really involve all of your psychological attitudes. It doesn't really matter for you to be the same person, whether you would have eaten pasta with tomato sauce or or a cordon bleu for lunch or something like that. But there are certain choices, there are certain interpersonal aspects of your life that really matter for you to be the same person or not. So, for instance, if, you, if I was an addict in the past, if I was a drug addict and now I'm not anymore, right, you think drug like drug addiction as an example because it is a very it leaves a sign mm-hmm. to be a drug addict leaves a sign into your personality and comes to define your everyday behavior and how you're going to sure. see yourself in uh, in many years and all a bunch of other actions that you do in reference to that and not doing it anymore right in a sense you can if you are not an addict anymore then you can say I am not the same person as I was back then. And the back then is important because mm-hmm. it's not just a temporal aspect. It is really um, a, fac- a part of the thing. 
it's being it's not just being the same person in general it's being the same person in regards to other things so yeah. it does the clone have my same body no just mm-hmm. either they completely built a new one or just murdered me and disposed <laughs> of my body but, <laughs> but does the clone you know have certain attitudes towards certain people or towards towards certain things does the yeah. clone love to cook? Does he like to cook for his girlfriend? Does he love his cats? <laughs> well, that's interesting then. So what about uh, going back to uh, Hugh Jackman? Hugh Jackman, on the, the first cloning, the first transportation, yeah. uh, he's there. He gets copied when he was expecting to be transported. The Hugh Jackman at the other end, you know, steps out of the machine. He's a Hugh Jackman who... Every, it succeeded, right? He went in the machine, he came out in a different place. He turns around and he's like, hey, that worked. And then he sees his former self still standing in the machine, who then shoots him, right? Yeah. Are you saying that, you know, if we pause at that second, just before he's about to fire the gun, can we say, ah, these are two separate people now, because here's a guy who's committing murder because he's horrified that he's being cloned. But this guy, everything's gone right in his life. He paid David yeah. Bowie for a transportation machine. The machine got <laughs> delivered and every, everything's happy. He's not going to murder anyone. So he's a murderer and it, he's a happy-go-lucky guy. And the difference in the, between them is is like a millisecond. So are you saying that they are sufficiently different in that like, oh, back then I wouldn't yeah. have, you know, I would have murdered someone. But now when everything's gone great, a millisecond later, I'm I'm a totally different guy. Like it is it's that instant, you know, do you know what I mean? That that instant was that was it a big enough incident to create this kind of these separate people? Well, he did murder somebody and it was, mm. you know, when it comes to more responsibility. Or did he commit like, suicide? Well, no, because there was another he organism. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it definitely wasn't suicide, it was definitely murder, right? I mean we can that agree on that. That case was actually murder. Yeah. After in the movie, later in the movie, that becomes a continuous cycle of suicide and resurrection yeah. for how weird it can actually be. But mm. in that case, it was actually murder, which is interesting because, you know, that is there are some I guess there are some circumstances in the social the social cultural context where human beings live that can be really in a sense defining that really not that really determine not only not really our telling of how that person was up until then, but also how he's going to be afterwards. And I think the case with you, Jackman, is particularly interesting because yeah, he sees the clone and he kills him immediately. You are left to wonder what would have happened if you know would have just let them be like, okay, let's I need to explain the situation, right? Yeah. And also, was it an arbitrary decision? Like had he in that moment turned the gun on himself rather than on his clone, would it have been exactly the same outcome? No, because you have two different organisms that share the same mind and up until a very specific moment where they're looking at each other and they and it looks like they're looking in a mirror, which is a pretty significant moment if you ask me. So if he would have killed himself, he would have, he would have instinctively accepted, okay, you are going to bring out my will and you're going to perform and do this all over and over and over again and get back to, to Christian Bale. Yeah. Right? Because the rival magician. And you're going to do that. But in the instinct, in the moment, he also because he didn't expect it, you know, he just... Yeah. But because he does go on to do that, he does trust his clone. At the beginning, he doesn't. No, no. The no, first but... one, he doesn't. But then he realizes that, you know... In that regard, they're going to be the same. They they hate Christian Bale. They love performing. They want to be the greatest magicians that ever existed. And yeah, there are some really defining features of your personality that maybe don't tell the whole story about you, but are pretty telling. Yeah. There, it is more important, say, you know, if uh, I had a certain... Like, if somebody had a traumatic experience, uh, like when they were a kid... Or if that same day they ate cotton candy. You know what I mean? Could you say then it's like to do with intention or like consent almost? So Hugh Jackman didn't 
consent to getting cloned he didn't intend to get cloned so when it happened it was like this isn't that's not me because that's not what i intended so then he was like or whatever and then when he was doing the magic because he the intention was to get cloned it was almost yeah it was almost like now they're on the same now they're acting on the same experiences and the same thought processes or like there's a, there's a continuation of that thought yeah. from him dying in the he drowns himself doesn't he he, he, he falls yeah. to a, a, a water thing so there there's the same thought he's expecting to die and when he steps out the other side that guy w- yeah. just feels like he was transported so everyone's on the same page and that makes yeah, a difference exactly somehow. yeah so i mean i was so i'm i'm curious about what his thought process would be as he's drowning in that tank I'd be like, why did I pick drowning rather than like something quicker? That's my thought process. Fall into like a mincer would be better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fire pit. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, okay, we'll go with the Mars. We'll go with the Mars thing. Okay, so so someone steps in to teleport to Mars. One of them, so there's like, they've lived the same life. At some point, it div- like they diverge. So you have one person successfully goes to Mars, one one person goes this way and gets stuck on Earth with this horrible heart defect. And there's no one on Mars, they're just stuck on Earth, the horrible heart defect, the other person successfully on Mars. So at that point, we'd say, we could easily say those are two different people because the paths that they have taken have diverged. But so if we look at them from the point of view as before they go to Mars... Oh, can we still say they're two different people? So they've lived the exact same life up until the point that they've diverged. We know eventually they will be on different paths. So that knowledge from the future that they will live different lives, does that mean we can say in the past when they're technically living exactly the same lives that they're different people or are they still the same person? Yeah, I was reading about something similar where, so say if you had the hemispheres of your brain disjointed separated and you had the right one put into one person and the left one put into someone else Mm -hmm. and if it were then right to say that there were two separate people then it would have been right all along to say that there were two people living in your one individual all along yeah yeah which kind of bit i mean some people use that as an argument to say this is an absurd idea like it's it's just (laughs) but it's it's true to say, isn't it? I mean, like uh, Jacob was saying in the, I think he says in the um, in the opinion. Mm. It, of course, there aren't two people. Like before the transportation, even though we might afterwards describe two people having the same timeline, mm-hmm. then they're then they're not two people until that incident, right? Mm-hmm. So exactly, um, you know, they they can't be because they're occupying the same space and time and everything. I mean, they they are the same person. So there's only one. And then he gets the the cloning thing makes it into two, right? I'm still really fascinated in whether... So to go back to the original example, you've got the clone up there on Mars and you're still down here on Earth with this heart defect that's going to kill you in a couple of days. Mm -hmm. Um, Would the fact that you've got this clone up there on Mars justify you in being any less afraid of death? That's what I'm really interested in. Like, could you take some comfort in the fact that the clone's up there, or should you be just as afraid of dying as you ever would have been? That's why I'm interested in Hugh Jackman's thought process when Mm. he's in the when he's in the tank drowning. Like, does he take some comfort in the fact that he's reappeared on the other side of the stage, or in the fact maybe that he feels like he's done it a thousand times before? You know, yeah. So, would having that clone up there on Mars make me any? Should it make me any less? afraid of death that's what i'm really interested in well there is a like i could say it's going to be your death and yeah. not the clone's death but the thing about uh, you know dying is something that obviously in in the first order of things you could say affects you because it's you dying but also affects as it is the case for every like, as it is for many cases of personal identity where we're talking about personal identity, it is also an interpersonal context, right? It makes a difference whether, whether like, I am the only person living in my whole family, I am the only one being alive, 
I don't have any children or anything like that. Or instead, if I have a family, for instance. Now, I don't want to. I don't want to suggest that you know it's good that you have a family because you actually have an impact on the world. I don't really. I don't think that. No. I don't care about that. What I'm saying is that you have the full right of being fearful of your death mm-hmm. because it's going to be your end. And then you can. But what you can do is being a bit more rational when it comes to the impact of your death on mm. the people you love, for instance, and in the yeah. entirety of your context. Okay, so if we flip it and consider the family instead, would they be justified in not mourning you in this situation? Oh, God. Uh, that's a tricky one. Mm. You know, there is actually a um, psychiatric disorder that is, some, that is called Capgras syndrome, which you like the person who suffers from this disorder believes that somebody close to them has been replaced by an imposter. Oh, oh I have wow. heard of this, yeah. That is even like for you dying because of the heart defect, paradoxically the most rational and paternalistic, I guess, thing to do would be to not tell your wife or your kids that you're dying and that what is going to get home is a clone. Because then of course like all interpersonal relationships are, you know, there is more than one person involved, right? So what you, like, the if you want your death to impact your family the least, you're going to be quiet about it to your family, because otherwise, of course, they're going to get a different attitude towards the clone. Then, because, you know, they would know that he is a clone, that it's a different body, even though it has everything. So you could have some weird scenarios like, you know, the clone trying, still loving your wife and trying to conquer her as you would do if you were in a situation like that. That in this sense, there is a part of personal identity that you could say for certain, in a certain perspective, matters more than others. Because then the wife would have to question herself or the wife or the partner would question, what is it that defines you as you to me, mm-hmm. right? Because you could also say, for instance, like in um, a couple, like they're very loving towards each other, but then in the arc of 15 years, one of them becomes an arse and stops. And like, you know, there were certain things that he used to do, certain things he used to say, or, you know, that then he doesn't do anymore. And then the and then the relationship changes and the percept and the kind of person that one perceives is different. They're like you are not the same person to me anymore. Mm-hmm. And that is a meaningful thing because it's something that happens. It is certain distinctive traits, psychological and behavioral traits that occur in a shared context. Or it's like uh, Tom Hanks in Castaway. They, he was in love with his wife. His wife was in love with him. Spoilers again. Spoilers again. Spoilers. <laughs> Spoiler yeah, this alert. is right at the beginning of the movie. Like he 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 gets lost on a on a shipwrecked island and doesn't stop loving his wife. But of course, when he comes, but this is spoilers, I guess. Yeah, this when is he, spoiler, when, yeah. Yeah. This is a spoiler. <laughs> guess funny. what? He comes back. But when he gets back, his his wife's obviously grieved and moved on, and he's he's kind of not interested either, I guess, because it's just been so long. So it's it's like the opposite problem, right? That they they haven't really changed, but. The world's changed or something, I guess. But then they have that hug in the rain and... Oh, I cry, don't... Yeah, I cry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, Giacomo, you said that the preservation of my mind might not be enough to preserve my identity as a person, for my clone might not settle for the life I had before my death. He might even decide to leave my family, something which I would never have even dreamed of doing. And so whether my identity is preserved may depend on what my clone decides to do with it. But up until our divergence, my clone and I were one and the same. So had I been in his shoes, had the teleportation device also swapped us, say, I would have done exactly the same. I would have left my family too. So my clone leaving my family seems to be something for which I can be held accountable. So what makes the difference here is the context. He's up there on Mars, I'm down here on Earth, and our context can differ only because we have different bodies. 
So here is my question. Why isn't the mere fact that we have different bodies enough to distinguish us as individuals, or at least individuals insofar as when that heart defect kills me, I will indeed die? That's my question. Thank you, James. So definitely the fact that you have two different organisms is really important because you have with two different organisms, you have two different to different people technically even though in the case you die there is going to be a form of psychological continuity which as i said is not exactly personal identity because a person is a very complex kind of thing is a very complex concept and object you could say or subject more appropriately mm-hmm. but for some people it might be enough and with some rational consideration it might be enough to say that is okay that is good enough all right, and it is interesting because you're swapping me with my clone. Because you're saying, imagine that you are the one coming on Mars, and they think that okay, okay, this is going to get trippy. They <laughs> think that the the one on Mars is the clone, whereas it is the one on Earth that it is the clone, and yeah. you were actually the yeah. one on Mars. Yeah, that is tough. Well, uh, so until the moment then that the one on Earth realizes that he has a heart malfunction. So at the end of the day, it's the mere presence of two different bodies that determine the number of people in the room, basically. That is definitely true. When it comes to moral accountability, can you repeat that part of the question? Maybe we can discuss it together, because that is a bit more tricky. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, um, So say you've got a week left to live down here on Earth, and you go and explain to your wife everything that ha- that's happened and you also happen to know that in the meantime your clone up on mars is chasing some new girlfriend and your wife down on earth also knows about this would your wife be justified in being angry at you for your clone's behavior <laughs> up on mars here is i think where psychology matters psychology because it is a matter of knowledge of the mm-hmm. things that you know if the clone knows that he's a clone and that, you know, like the, he's not original, that may, might bring him to do different choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there is some knowledge that is more important than other kind of knowledge. Right? So maybe the, the clone said, well, if I'm a clone, then my life is meaningless or something like that. And I just... Mm-hmm want to do what it just immediately satisfies me or something like that. Yeah. And just go chase some new girlfriend. Because there is that, like, if we just look at the clone, there is that particular psychological aspect that is knowing that I am a clone that makes a big, big difference. Because I suppose cause I'm thinking of a situation where the wife perhaps might think, well, under no possible circumstances should you ever consider Chase running off with some girlfriend? You know, and, and thinking that you're a clone upon Mars is included in that list of possible circumstances. So I'm furious with you for the behaviour of your clone. Another possibility is that maybe you as the original, like once you get cloned and you have the same personal history, there is also what it is also important to think, what is that your wife knows about you? and what are maybe yeah. certain urges that or certain things or certain desires certain mental states that you identified yourself with when you were with your wife but once you have this new piece of knowledge wait i am i'm not i am a different person that one the one <laughs> down there on earth that is going to die was me but i'm not him anymore now i'm a new person not just organismically, not just because you are a different organism, because you have this different thing and then can, you know, can open up new possibilities in a sense of uh, of the things that you're going to do and the things you're going to eventually identify yourself with. That still seems to suggest that the original had, was looking <laughs> for a get-out clause. given the opportunity, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, see your yeah. wife, bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just wondering now, does it matter 
if so uh he has this epiphany that it's yeah. like i'm i'm going to break free um <laughs> because that that guy he's the boring guy who you know liked whatever i'm a totally different guy you know i'm yeah. going to buy a sports car and uh but if he doesn't find out uh, but he still goes and chases he buys a sports car and chases after this new girlfriend yeah is is then the wife justified in being angry at the guy who's he's dying in hospital and she comes in and he's like oh god how are you and she just says yeah like actually by him. the way you know yeah. your clone's just run off we haven't told him yet that he's a clone but he's run off with a girlfriend so actually oh, you're, in that case, you're a bastard 100%. oh you think okay but i i even think that if if the clone did know he was a clone and did all that, I still think the wife would be justified in being annoyed. I think I you're being think. harsh. No, I think Jim was right there. You're being harsh. <laughs> That's quite deterministic though, isn't it, Jimmy? Just the idea that like you're you're saying that if give if in the same if having the same experiences as the clone, you would act exactly the same way. Is that what you're implying? Yeah. So that's quite like. Doesn't that imply that there's like literally no free will? Well, what? But what else would? I mean, what would make the difference if you had a, if you had been the same as the clone, obviously up until the malfunction, and then you had the same experience as the clone as the clone? There'd literally be nothing to tell the two of you apart. So you'd run after the new girl as well, surely. Ah, uh, but no, no. But you're you're saying even in the even when there is the the psychology is different because he knows he's a clone. You're yeah, saying even then. I'm saying yeah. Yeah, you're saying that you on your deathbed with a heart defect would be right to be criticised by your wife because you're yeah. a clone, knowing he's a clone. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Oh, because the implication is even if they were swapped, the same thing would happen. So you, the guy on the deathbed is yeah, the guy yeah, yeah, yeah. chasing the The original. Girl. Yes. That's what I think. Oh, damn. I think that's, that's incredibly harsh. Okay, uh, to wrap things up, if I get myself cloned, is my identity still my own? Yes, no, or no one knows, and you shouldn't ask, Giacomo. I think I need I need a little bit of uh, a couple of minutes to actually. Okay, I'll come back. <laughs> I'll, I'll come back because to because you. because I always have the attitude like you know. Let me think about this. Yes, no. <laughs> it really depend. It really depends on on what matters yet again. Because if what on what you think that matters. You've only got three options that now, though, Jack. Yeah, you have that's, to pick. That's, the, yeah. that's the hard bit. We we don't do philosophy any justice here in this final segment. <laughs> We're just gonna <laughs> cut to the heart of the matter. Just just get an answer. We just need an answer. Well, I kind of think that this whole so- topic freaks me out. So I'm going to say no one knows, and you shouldn't ask. That's my answer for today. Okay, Carl. I'm going to say no. Because there is no such thing as personal identity. Okay. I'm going to say... Uh, Jacmo, what what do you think? Um... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not the only one freaking out here, eh? Yeah. <laughs> it is pretty freaky, Yeah, yes. it's pretty freaky. I feel like I'm experiencing all three answers at once. So I'm going to go with no one knows and you shouldn't ask. Yeah, no one knows and you shouldn't ask. Accept yourself. Okay. <laughs> oh, know thyself. Okay. Yeah. Because if there is if there is something that came up from this discussion is that what matters in personal identity in the end is something that matters to each and every one of you, each and every oh. one of us. Oh, right? That's lovely. That's it for this episode of Armchair Opinions. Thank you so much for listening and thank you, Giacomo, for joining us. Be sure to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, five stars only, and find us on our website, armchairopinions.org, where you can send in questions for the armchair philosophers. Join us next time when we will be inspecting an opinion about whether it's wrong to be child-free by choice. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. So, Theo, would you like to be cloned? Hmm. Well, I mean, it would be nice. I mean, I could... Mm-hmm. Uh, it could do everything I normally did. Yeah. I mean, a clone, the only difference is from a clone and you is... It's not you. It, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's, it's basically you. And, I mean, if clones know what you know... Basically, yeah. you could chillax. Yeah. And 
the other guy did all the work. So, yes, I think I would like to be. But, just, uh, it would uh, be a little scary. But you'd have it do all your jobs? Yeah, everything I would normally do, like go to school, do the washing up. You don't do the washing up. Well, at least go to bed. Right, yeah. Do that. Yeah. Well, I'll go on vacation. 